Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly podcast about the Swift programming language and other projects at Swift.org. I'm Jesse Squires. And I'm JP Samard. Today, we want to talk about a few of the recent uh, advances and news in the Swift world. Um, and so we'll just uh, go through a rapid fire uh, set of things that have recently happened that we think are interesting. Yeah, uh, I think first thing, there's a... A new Jira issue that's opened, a new like starter bug uh, to add a lazy uh, lazy equivalent to uh, sequence.split, which surprisingly doesn't exist now, I guess. Right. And if I I recall correctly, um, the blog post at Swift.org on conditional conformances from uh, Ben Cohen Mm -hmm. um, had a little sample to demonstrate how one could write um, a sequence of split that's uh, that's lazily evaluated. Um, so I think there's definitely a clear path forward for anyone who would want to do this because there's already kind of a, a sample implementation that's out there. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was fully fleshed out in the blog post, but uh, most of it's there. Well, right? probably yeah. not, right? Yeah. Um, because if it was all written, you would think that it would just huh. be in there. Right. Um, so there's probably, you know, there's aspects that fall into this, like checking to see if this hits any source compatibility issues with anyone mm. already using Split, if anyone's already kind of implemented um, something similar, right? How does this affect their source code? Writing tests for this, um, maybe at like making sure that performance is good, mm-hmm. right? So there's more to it than perhaps like what the... Uh, most basic version of the implementation would be. Sure, sure. Um, also, like, decisions on whether or not it should be inlineable, transparent, like all these different keywords that the Swift lib- standard library uses. Right. Um, the other thing that isn't clear to me at the moment is if this would require a proposal. I'm assuming it would to modify the standard library to add this. Um, from what I've seen, um, things that just kind of uh, fill in the holes um, rather than kind of bring up new concepts or even new methods entirely um, can come can be merged without a Swift evolution proposal. Okay. Um, so, for example, and we'll we'll talk about like one of those cases later of a PR that kind of adds functionality technically, but can also be considered a bug fix. So, I suspect that uh, this wouldn't actually need a uh, Swift evolution proposal. Nice, that lowers the barrier then for someone to uh, take this issue and, and go with it. Absolutely. So this is pretty appropriately labeled as a starter starter bug. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're looking for something to contribute, this is a good start. Yeah, and it should be mostly Swift too. Uh, maybe a few exceptions, but... Should be entirely Swift. Yeah, um, well, I mean, like, you know, the special sauce Swift that's in the standard lib is... You know that's right, and you probably still have to write lit checks, so yeah. uh, that's that's pretty custom. But um, there are thousands of examples in right. the Swift repo, right? right? So there's a lot of uh, prior art for you to to base this on. What else has been happening recently? Uh, well, there's a few other starter bugs. Um, 
that we'll we'll touch on briefly. They're they're pretty quick, um, but it helps kind of peer behind the curtain of how Swift works a little bit when when you realize that like these tiny little things just exist peppered all over the place. Mm-hmm. So one of them is SR sixty seven thirty six, which is to enforce the sixteen bit limit for a number of function parameters or the number of tuple types. So uh, what's two to the power of sixteen? <laughs> Real quick. Oh. Uh. Calculator. It is uh, 65,536. So uh, if you were to write a Swift function with that number of parameters Mm -hmm. um, plus one, uh, you would... Um, you would basically crash uh, the compiler at one point. Right. Um, now, it's good that that's my uh, Swift lint uh, function parameter limit. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, well, you should add one for number of tuples as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I missed so that one. That's a starter bug for Swift link. Right. The- <laughs> no, I just need to decrement my tuple uh, parameter mm. uh, warning. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, it's a good call. So what happens here is that uh, if you're using code gen and you would generate something that has that absurdly high number of tuple members or number of function parameters, yeah. it would crash the compiler. And, um, you know, it's not uh, probably not something that anyone would hit in practice, but it's just kind of a good sanitization uh, thing to do is to make sure that inputs are properly validated. Yeah, I know. Well, so C arrays are imported as... Uh, Tuples. That's right. Uh, I highly doubt you'd ever have an array that large that you're importing, though, right? Uh, you could. I mean, you uh, could. Yeah, there's but, there's nothing stopping you other than um, just common sense. Right. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. There, you know, this this might happen to you accidentally, and uh, and then you'd be hit by this. Yeah. So this should be Although straightforward. I enough. imagine that would be rare if someone had an array. Yeah, I don't think that, that uh, hundreds or thousands of people are hitting this, which yeah. is why you know it hasn't been reported until very recently. Yeah. So what else has been going on? Uh, well, for one, the Xcode nine point three beta one just came out, so that's uh, the first time that we're sw- we're seeing a Swift four point one uh, toolchain beyond just the the snapshots. Yeah, so it's the uh, the first quote public beta of Swift four point one uh, for people who don't keep up with um, the nightly builds or the tool chains or whatever. Um, Swift Playgrounds two is also released, uh, which I guess has Swift four, um, so you can now write Swift four on your iPad or maybe it already supported that. Yeah, I'd be um, surprised if Swift four hadn't been included in. In a previous release, yeah, I guess the big uh, uh, the big feature there is just the third party content. So you can like create a playground now, a Swift playground, and then people can subscribe to that. Can you create that playground from within the Swift Playgrounds app, or does it have to be created, uh, say, like on a Mac? Hmm, I'm not sure how that works. Actually, I know everything. Uh, <laughs> works with iCloud, which I've actually had pretty good experience with, where uh, you have your playgrounds in, on your iPad, um, and then they'll sync through iCloud, and then you can modify them on your Mac. So Yeah, but this has been available since before the Swift Playgrounds 2, the ability that, to sync with iCloud. Yes, yes. Um, but I'm assuming you can use that to like publish, create your content, and then 
something in the Swift app. I haven't looked at it yet. Um, I think it was just released. Um, you can now publish that in some way, and people can subscribe. So, yeah, it's exciting. If if you look at uh, the developer.apple.com Swift Playgrounds descriptions uh, website, there's already um, just about half a dozen of them. Sphero, Lego Mindstorms, uh, Parrot Drones are some of the ones that stand out here. Nice. It uh, looks like those are coming from those companies then that uh, make those products or? It looks like it, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I guess you can't charge for these. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. really don't see this as a, right. as a monetization strategy right. for too many people. Right. You're still better off with uh, with the app store economy. Uh, so there's a few other things that have been landing in uh, in the Swift project lately. Um, one small but significant um, change is Greg Titus just merged uh, a change that allows you to use fall through switch cases uh, with um, shared variable bindings. Yeah. So that one's exciting. It's uh, basically if if you use case let and then you bind, say, like variable X, then if you need to fall through from that case into a next one that also binds variable X or, or uses variable X, it'll just reuse that binding. Uh, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, um, this is functionality that wasn't available before because of Swift's strict um, switch statements, whereas you could do this in Objective-C by omitting a break and falling through with two cases, right? So it's kind of, it gives you that, but you have to be very explicit about it. Well, it's also just uh, a neat way to to reduce um, a little bit of code duplication, for example. Right, right. right which is one of the, uh, if, if not the main case for a fall-through mm-hmm. keyword. Yeah. Along the same lines of the 16-bit uh, parameter number limit and tuple number limit, um, which is just along the lines of uh, sanitizing your inputs. Uh, Doug Greger right. just merged a change that um, would prevent a compiler crash for uh, basically was was using the Swift compiler in a way that um, just wouldn't satisfy um, input validation. Uh, so in this case, it was missing explicit conformance in a method signature. Uh, so this is kind of fallout from conditional conformance, I believe. Um, and it's just goes to show that a uh, complex project like like Swift itself, right. um, you know, it's very difficult to fully understand all of the um, different code paths that it can take. Yep. And so, if you think that something is just kind of implicitly valid because not because you perform a validation step, but rather because you think that all the code paths to get there would create a condition. Right. Uh, well, with a large project <laughs> like Swift, it, that's very difficult to to make sure of. Yeah, for sure. Conditional conformance is such a massive change. Um, yeah, hopefully all, all those uh, kind of little bugs like that are caught before the, the final 4.1 release. Uh, I'm sure things will be pretty good, though. Yeah, what you're hearing right now is the sound of thousands of developers upgrading to High Sierra to test out Xcode right. 9.3. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I'm most excited about uh, 
deleting all of the uh, equal equal implementations and hash value implementations and possibly simplifying a bunch of code with conditional conformances. Uh, I think we're going to see lots of uh, red diffs coming up, getting those those reds. Hit, Hit all those reds. Yeah, I look forward to it. Deleting code. So there are some proposals coming up. Uh, Some we've kind of discussed before, others that are new that are being reviewed right now. I think one of the most pressing ones is the exhaustive, non-exhaustive enums, or now the frozen, non-frozen enums. Currently, you define an enum, it has a set number of cases, and that's it. End of story. Uh, But... Uh, there are issues with that. You can't extend them, or when you do, they're not only source compatible or source breaking changes, but uh, they're ABI breaking changes as well. Right. So the goal here for ABI stability in Swift five is so that library authors can continue to make uh, uh, additive changes to their libraries while. Um, still retaining compatibility with previous code and, and with binaries that have uh, been compiled with older versions of those frameworks and then are forced to link with a new one, for example. Right. So you can think of an enum with case ABC and then uh, as a library author, uh, you think of another another member. And so at that point, you would not mark your public enum as frozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so omitting that keyword would mean that it is non-exhaustive. And so um, consumers would need to have uh, what's now being proposed as an unknown case uh, keyword group. Yeah. So, uh, and the way around that is, well, as a library author, if you know for a fact that you're not going to uh, extend this enum in the future, just mark it as frozen by using at frozen enum or public enum probably. Mm -hmm. And then in that case, none of your consumers need to have the unknown case keyword. Yeah, so similar to default, which is kind of a catch-all, unknown case will catch potentially added future cases that you're not handling from the client side. I, I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of the frozen spelling. Uh, I I preferred exhaustive, but... Well, it's going to happen, so you have to let it go. <laughs> Um, and one thing that we talked about earlier is, uh, is the unknown case, um, set of keywords yeah. and how that seems a little awkward and it might read, uh, more nicely if it was case unknown. Um, but we talked about that and realized that, uh, the parser would have a really hard time with that because that's currently valid syntax if unknown is an identifier. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that's a no-go. Yeah. And while we're discussing enums, uh, the derived collection of enum cases is finally uh, in review as well. So we've discussed that before. Uh, it basically lets you say, you know, dot all values on uh, an enum, which is a very common thing to do. Uh, in multiple projects, I have that defined manually. I'm sure many of you do as well. And so uh, now this is under review, finally, uh, it looks like it's possible to get into Swift 5. Seems like not too major of a change, but um, we'll see. I mean, it is cutting it kind of close. 
Although if it's under review, then it sounds like there should be a an implementation uh, if it's to be considered for Swift 5. Um, and yeah, there is here at uh, PR 13655. Um, oh, Robert Woodham uh, opened that. Yeah, that was open a while back, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was about a month ago. Oh, I thought there was one much earlier than that. Maybe. Yeah, this is the one currently linked in the uh, proposal now. Yeah. In any case, um, what uh, I'd like to bring up is the fact that this um, doesn't account for uh, non-exhausted enums right. in, the, in the proposal. And um, I can definitely see that because non-exhaustive enums have hasn't been approved or accepted, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, it it's not the current state of Swift, or it's not even guaranteed to happen. I guess technically, although that seems unlikely, um, but it seems like it should at least be considered, right? And so, would all values have an unknown member for non-exhaustive enums? Interesting. Uh, or would there be any way from this all values member to determine whether or not uh, the enum is exhaustive or not, frozen or not, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the easy thing to do there is to just ignore it. Right. Uh, but it seems like it sh- should at least be considered. Yeah. Well, no, I think the easier thing would be to say if, it, if the enum is not frozen, you don't get this. Right. So only enums with a finite number of cases have this all values. So only frozen enums or enums that you know statically at compile time uh, exactly what all the members are? Yeah, yeah. Those are the only ones that get all values. So that seems overly restrictive to me. Yeah. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the things in this proposal, though, uh, is that... So there's a section on effect on ABI stability. And um, it says here is that, that this proposed implementation would add a runtime function returning the number of cases uh, from the enum's metadata so, so that adding or removing a case for a simple enum doesn't affect the, the ABI. So it does mention it here. It just doesn't mention exa- the words exhaustive or frozen or unknown cases uh, at all. Interesting. But it is. it does seem like it's covered there. Yeah. And so... You, as a consumer of this uh, value enumerable protocol, um, so if you're using all values, you should be aware that whatever your code compiles with might not necessarily be the same all values that's returned at runtime later on. If yeah. if that um, enum is defined elsewhere and it's a non-exhaustive enum. Yeah, I well, you know, that kind of goes to best practices. I mean, you get this array back, right? So you shouldn't just like randomly access uh, index five in an array uh, without checking count first, right? And if you're you're probably writing some kind of generic code around this all values, or if you are displaying things in some sort of list, you're going to query the count of that. Um, so it seems like only if you're doing something's pretty bad, um, and that enum count changes in some way. O- only if you're, yeah, doing something kind of bad would that come back to bite you. Yeah, or right. something that's overly um, specific to yeah. um, the current implementation, right? Uh, so you have to be a little forward-thinking, as with most things uh, related to ABI stability. Right. Um, the one thing that I do want to bring up is it doesn't seem uh, like currently this is guaranteed to return an array. It's just guaranteed to return 
uh, a collection. And so mm. uh, nice. depending on the implementation, this might be an array, this might be something else, but there's, yeah, there's no guarantee that this will be an array as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Still a very yeah. exciting change. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, that's probably better. You get back a collection protocol then from this. Right. So yeah. then you're guaranteed to have a count on there. And, um, you know, if there's some underlying implementation that means that it's not an array, like, for example, you know, if it, if it means that it doesn't need to be allocated on the heap, mm-hmm. um, that that could be nice. Uh, there's a few other uh, proposals that are going around. Uh, one is a revision to the um, user-defined dynamic member lookup types, uh, which we've mentioned before. Um, this is Chris Latner's proposal uh, that's partly driven or motivated by Python interop. Yeah. So since we've covered that at length before, um, you can listen to that episode if you want more details. Another thing coming up is uh, the compiler diagnostic directives proposal. I think Harlan wrote that. Yeah, Harlan Haskins. Um, this is uh, adding something similar to like Clang's uh, like pragma message uh, warnings that you know, they'll emit uh, like a compiler warning. So you can say, you know, pound error, pound warning give it a message, um, which you see this in some of Apple's like example code. If you create like a, an iOS project uh, or like a, whatever their template is, it'll have like a pragma message or like pragma warning that says like override this method for like a table view or something like that. Yeah, which hasn't been available in Swift um, and might come through this proposal. The one thing I want to say is the, the way that it's currently proposed, uh, you would pass um, a string literal uh, with no interpolation allowed. Um, and so you can't, uh, like, say that you have, um, like, one of the examples here in SE196 is uh, to have a uh, compile time check to see if mylib version is less than three and OS is on Mac OS, right? So those are known at compile time and therefore would would present this uh, this error. Um, and then the string literal needs to reiterate my lib versions less than three are not supported on a Mac OS. And this is all like stringly typed in a string literal. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it would be nice probably for more future directions than something in this initial version to have some amount of string interpolation allowed. But I can definitely see how that could be problematic where string interpolation today probably relies on the Swift runtime uh, and then you'd need to be, um, you need some sort of way to know what uh, string interpolation values, what expressions mm-hmm. are valid at compile time. So it's basically everything that would be includable in a pound if check. Uh, that's the only things that could go in there, for example. Right, right. Seems reasonable uh, as a start, though. Absolutely. Uh, I can see where this can be uh, useful, especially if you're providing sample code for a library for an open source project or something and you want to kind of walk people through some sort of tutorial or something. Yeah, well, one way in which I'd use this is um, how I'm currently using SwiftLint at the moment to track to-dos and fix-me's mm-hmm. um, where I have a long-running uh, uh, working branch that I'm working on at uh, at, at work that has um, just like it's it's a very large piece of uh, of code, and so over time, rather than kind of track in some some sort of issue tracker, um, all the things that need to be addressed, mm-hmm. um, 
I'm just leaving to-dos and fix-me's as comments in my code. That way um, I can use Xcode's issue navigator and jump straight to the area of the code that's affected, right? right, right. You can't really easily do that with um, an external issue tracker. And so I'm relying on external linters for uh, for the same job that these warnings and errors would provide. Mm -hmm. So I'd much rather use something that, that was built into Swift. And that way, even coworkers who want to pitch in on this, who maybe don't have SwiftLint installed, would also uh, get the same behavior. Right. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, and uh, the last pr proposal uh, that's come up is from Chris Eidhoff, um, which is very simple, very straightforward, just adding a uh, mutating toggle function to uh, bool. So often, especially in uh, iOS programming, you have a settings view, you have switches, you have data that backs that. You want to just toggle whatever the value of the bool is, you want to invert that. Um, and so this proposal just adds this one function, um, self equals not self. And yeah, pretty cool, very useful. Um, I think a lot of people probably write this already. Um, so it makes sense to include in the standard lib. Yeah, um, as usual from Chris Eidhoff, this is simple, elegant. Well, not right. everything's always simple, but always elegant. Uh, and I think this is, um, there are very clear advantages and no disadvantages to this. So. Uh, 100% on board. Uh, I'll let people bike shit about the name. Sure. Um, but ultimately, I look forward to having this. Yeah. And maybe that will be in Swift 5. I mean, a pretty quick and easy change, it seems like. So uh, we'll see where the discussion goes. And I think that's all we have for this episode. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Swift underscore Unwrapped, and you can find me at Jesse underscore Squires. I'm at SimJP, and if you enjoy the show, please do leave a review on iTunes, and you can join the conversation at spectrum.chat. Thanks for listening. <laughs>